Hello, and welcome to the Committed Collective Podcast. This podcast is a dialogue between Adam Stone, Byron Hazley, and Steve Kerwin, often joined by informative guests through all walks of life. It's very informal, but very informative, and we're never quite sure where the conversation will lead us as we're talking about racial and socioeconomic inequality in our nation. Due to our national footprint, we're connecting through Zoom, so keep that in mind when you hear the audio. If you'd like to submit a question or topic, please do so by emailing us at info at thecommittedcollective.org on our Facebook page or connecting with us on Instagram at the underscore committed collective. Hey, everybody. This is Adam Stone with the Committed Collective podcast. Got another episode with Steve Kerwin and Byron Hazley. Byron, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Adam. Happy to be on the podcast. You know, it seems like I barely made it. Buzzer beating this evening. How you doing? Good. I I, I was a little less a uh, little less crunch for time, but happy to be here, Steve. What's up with you, Adam? I don't know. Um, I had really high expectations this weekend. A new movie came out starring Denzel Washington called The Little Things. Uh, if you're not familiar, it's it's pretty much like the 62nd installment of the Equalizer, and uh, boy, was it underwhelming, Adam, uh, to say the least. I love Denzel; I think he's one of the greatest. Um, but that movie was uh, uh, mediocre. Is uh, probably a fair assessment to that film that I watched this weekend, um, and I think I'm being very generous with that wow. comment. We can't have Denzel hate on this podcast. I listen and I I get it. I get it. And I tell everybody that too. Some people said it was a good movie. I'm like, Denzel's not gonna come and really beat you up. You can call a spade a spade. It wasn't that good. Well, maybe we so. can see if our guest has seen the movie. Uh let's introduce Ms. Rhea Spigner. She's a news anchor in the Midwest. Rhea, how are you? What's up? I'm good. I wish I would have made some coffee before I started talking, but we're going to see how this goes. I have not seen that movie. I have heard uh, similar things that it was um, Mm. a sleeper. So I don't I have nothing to add to that, but I co-signed on what Steve said. Well, there you go, Adam. Our guest said he wasn't going to be that good, so I guess we can call a spade a spade, can't we? We can't have training days. Rhea, tell us about yourself. Um, I don't like that question. You have to tell me what you want to know. Uh, but I'm from what you're doing right now, currently. What What do you do? I, I mentioned a news anchor in the Midwest. What does that consist of? Um, anchoring. <laughs> uh, it consists of um being a part of nightly newscasts. So five six, still the nine p.m. and the ten p.m. And I do a lot of community projects, which is um why I'm kind of still here because I got hooked in 2019 into doing an initiative for uh, my station and then it kind of just spiraled out and now I just continue to do them. How Uh, did you get here? How did you become a news anchor? uh, Okay. So I'm from LA and um, I went to school at ASU Cronkite School. So I knew when I was 15 that I wanted to be a news reporter. And so it kind of just took off from there. My mom was like, Oh, okay, let's try this out. I went to a workshop, love the workshop. And that was it. Um, but the real, I guess, experience that made me want to be a news reporter was, uh, visiting my dad. And, um, he lives in Spain. He's like, he's very into, uh, music, like music is his life. He would not give it up. Like that is his dream. And so 
he had some success here in the U.S. and then decided like, eh, I'm sick of the U.S. I'm going to go over here and just, you know, do music when and where I can. So anyway, that's what he does. And um, I visited him after learning like a couple of years of Spanish. So it was pretty good. And he had this friend who had these two daughters and they spoke Spanish, French and English. I spoke Spanish, English, a little bit of French. So we spent like all night trying to figure out what we were saying in these three different languages. And at the end of it, I just thought I have to figure out how to incorporate like these types of moments in my life. Like those moments where you're trying to like convey this different perspective or tell this story. Um, and then I just mixed it with writing and boom, that wasn't, I tried to make that short. It wasn't that short. <laughs> no, i sorry if I missed it. Where did you go to school? Uh, ASU Cronkite school. ASU Cronkite. Arizona state. Okay. Arizona state. Okay. Cause I, I thought I saw you were Georgia. Um, yep. I worked in Georgia. Um, I worked in Georgia at two stations before I came to the Midwest. Nice. So- were you excited? I mean, I don't know about excited. I knew nothing about, I knew nothing about uh, the Midwest. So the falls are amazing. Yes, they are. The falls are amazing. They're so good. Like the whole uh, apple cider vibe mm. and like the beautiful trees and you're like, can't beat it. Whisked away on like a wagon or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all that, all the feels. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't know anything. I just knew corn. And so um, I was convinced to get on a plane and come here. And I was like, oh, there's a city. Oh, this is cute. Like there's an actual, you know, people and places. Civilization. Yeah. And then uh, they convinced me to be here. So I'm here. One thing that I know about news anchors, well, I shouldn't say I know this, but I believe a common thing that they do is they kind of bounce around from many different stations. Is it more in line with them looking for the next opportunity for themselves or why is that they trying to change scenery or, and maybe you can make it personal for you because you said you were in Georgia, maybe take us through your timeline. Uh, yeah. So it's a little bit of both, right? Because when you get out of college, like no network station is going to be like, you are the brightest star ever. And we need you in (laughs) New York. Like that never happens. So, um, you have to work your way up. So you either go to a big network and start off as like this intern and then work your way up and hope that one day they put you on the desk or you start going from smaller markets and then work your way up to bigger markets to get better and better. So I started off in a small town in Georgia, which was like market one, what was Georgia? 51 out of 200. And then I worked my way up to market 112, a um, next station in Georgia. And then I worked my way up, way up to 69 here. So, I mean, you, you get in the game and you work your way up and that sometimes requires you to move. And then if you, you either stay, if you find a place um, that you connect with, or you just want to keep going, like you want to go to network or you want to go back home. Um, home for me is market number two. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> keep on climbing, keep yeah. climbing. <laughs> we will see what happens. So I know we're going to get into 
a lot of the social justice you share part of, but I, I have to ask because Byron's the expert, right? So he's, he's done a podcast before. This is mine and Adam's first shout out the front porch tailgate with, uh, with Byron, but can you tell us about a time where you might have fumbled words or you messed up? Because I I'm pretty convinced Adam just makes up words all the time, sometimes when he's speaking. So I it was there ever a time, it, whether it was embarrassing or funny, where you really just botched something you were trying to say? Oh, yeah. That happens like all the time. <laughs> like not a, I mean, not all the time. I'm pretty good at my job. But like, yes. Um a funny one and it takes a lot for me to get embarrassed so um I don't usually get embarrassed I usually just laugh and then it, it, the moment's over but one that was funny uh was <laughs> the anchor before me um told me she's an older woman told me like I used to drink coca-cola I used to get a coke out of the room and like you know let the fizz run out and then drink it before I go on the desk because that like coats your throat and you know, your voice looks, sounds good and blah, blah, blah. I don't even drink soda, but I was like, she's telling me she's a G I'm going to do it. So I did it. And then, um, my body was like, what are you doing? This is soda. And then like the second sip that I took, I started choking and it was like, I took a sip in between a, a bosat. And if you don't know what that is, it's like the VO rolls and then you have a sound bite and then you come back to camera. So the video is rolling, whatever, whatever I'm talking, take a sip during the sound bite because the sound bite is long. And then we come back and I start choking. I'm like, uh, <laughs> so I couldn't get it out. And then my producer is thinking like, okay, she's going to come back. Like she always comes back. She's going to come back. And I did not. And so I was just sitting there choking and she took forever to go to black. So I sat there for about like 20 seconds, coughing on air. It was great. Oh, man. It was an embarrassing moment, probably. Yeah. Well, Adam, that hasn't happened to you. So look, you're doing well. Steve, this is a perfect example. It happens to the best. It, it, does. <laughs> it happens. That's, that's exactly what you took out of that. <laughs> it does. Sure, sure, sure. I know if it can happen to her, then it definitely can happen to me. So... Uh, Raya, tell me, you mentioned like the climb and, and wanting to go get to that number two spot. What's that climb like when you're also tying in your social justice initiatives and things along the way? What, how right. have you gone about balancing both of those to, to make them both happen as your, your passions and missions? That's a great question. Cause it's evolving, right? I think at first it was like, I have to make it back home. I have to go back to California. And now it's like, I just have to make sure that I make a difference somewhere. And maybe that is when I, maybe eventually I'll go back home or maybe I end up here or maybe I end up in some other city. Um, but I think my purpose first is cultivating stories and conversations that need to happen. And um, it started where I am. And so that's kind of what convinced me to stay here because my contract came up and it was like, Oh, what are you going to do? And that was one of the big reasons um, for me staying here was because I had the, the trust and the accountability and the um, credibility mm -hmm. to make these stories and mm -hmm. kind of, you know, do what I want with them really. Um, which is something that you, you have to earn wherever you go. I was going to say, when you were talking about 
making sure those stories were heard, those conversations were had. What type of stories and conversations were you, uh, what things are you really targeting to get out there for your uh, audience? Oh, so many things. It depends on, you know, whatever intuitively I feel like is the temperature at the time or I feel like we need to talk about. So um, it's been mental health stigmas in the black community and uh, veteran community. It's been um, the idea of civility in politics. Uh, that was like one of the first projects that I did. Does that still exist? Um, it's been Black Voices Matter, talking to community leaders about what's going on in our community, in our city, um, and aligning that with the rest of the country and systemic racism and everything else. It's been um, talking to a biracial couple about their perspectives and um, white privilege. And as a wife, the woman who I was talking to, um, how she perceived being married to a black husband and how her life has been and having brown kids and et cetera. It's been, I mean, every single, oh, talking to community leaders about their adversities and um, what they've experienced in this city. But every single thing that I feel like I've done or special project I've done has definitely like been either a piece of me intuitively or something that's happened that I feel like is a conversation that we have in our living room, you know, like with your friends or with your family. And it's never really talked about out loud. Um, and I, I think it's time that we talk about it out loud. So going on kind of that, cause I was going to ask very much the same question. Let's say for example, for 2021 down to the, the smallest grain, what is it you would, if you just could focus on one thing, if you could change one thing in 2021, what aspect, because you touched on everything from political civility to white privilege, just everything, if you could focus on and help educate the people that you were surrounded by, what would that be? Ooh, one thing. Um, 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 I think self-awareness in the white community. I think, and I don't, I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but I think that there's a difference between having a conversation and educating and not taking the time to either hear or understand that conversation in the first place. So then it becomes like this dialogue that won't really be impactful. So for me, I think it's one thing for me, I think that it would have to just be, I don't know. That's hard. That's a good question. I, I, they, they call me the wild card for a reason. I just the think it's something. Uh, that's a good question. I this mean, is not why we call you the wild card. Wanna... Yeah, that's definitely not why you're called the wild card. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. You have stories. Listen, I just, I, yeah, I'm, I, I know I'm, I'm like a child and I just sit here and I think of something and I'm just, it's just coming out of my mouth. So yeah, I was just, no, I, I was just curious. And, and I know that's like a really, really tough question, but if you, you know, if you focus on too many different things, can you get your voice across, which is something that, you know, for us, we have all these different pillars that we're, that we're going to fo focus on and we're hoping to build a team around to put individuals in place based on their talents. 
Right. But I think that, okay, so I see what you're saying now. I think the overall goal though, with everything that I've hit has been, let's talk about something else other than the white narrative, because for so long, it's been the white narrative in news, in media, in TV. And I think that there's a shift now of like other people exist and there are other problems that exist and there are stigmas and things that need to be talked about in order for us to all relate to each other on some level. And I think that that shift needs to continue to happen. So, so I feel like even though there are all these different things, you know, mental health, um, community and police, like the relationship between the black community, police, mental health and police, or if I'm talking about civility, it all comes into this range of like, something needs to happen where we all, where our ideas become collaborative instead of them being so isolated into white world and black world. You know what I'm saying? Like there's black Twitter, there's white Twitter, there's um, these concerns and and black concerns. There's so many, there's so much separation. And at some point right now they need to collide. And especially when it comes to understanding um, the black perspective. And I think that is evolving into something. I think it is happening. Like this is happening right now, but um, so I don't think like, even though there are these different topics that that idea ultimately gets lost. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, perfect. No, it makes a lot of sense. I, I think, you know, what you were mentioning in terms of changing the the white narrative. And then you mentioned earlier having that story flexibility and being able to talk about things and report on issues that are really important to you. What's that been like? And, and what how does that how do you use that to your advantage to make sure that you do get these stories out there? And how do you make sure that you have the ability to keep telling those stories down the line? Um, I think that to have the ability to tell the stories down the line, I think that you have to tell these stories in a way that is accepting. You know what I mean? It's easy to be like, this is wrong. Don't do this. But how many people are going to sit there and receive that truly and say like, okay, let me think about this. Let me reflect. Maybe there are some things that I'm doing subconsciously that I don't even know or whatever. So I feel like for me, it's like once I figure out, okay, this is the topic that we're covering. Then it becomes this type of dance of like how to cultivate it or create it in a way that gets the point across, but also makes everybody think. And I think um, so far I've done a good job with that. I know I can do better. I think every time it does get better, but I think that's how and why I'm able to continue Um, because I think I have the trust and it's so good. It feels so good after I do it to get a message from somebody that's like, you know what? I never thought about it like this before. Thank you so much. Like I'm this person or I've lived here my whole life or I don't, you know, like I don't have the exposure to this or I've never thought about this. Like that's what I do it for. Do you have an example or scenario that you felt like came across powerful or did its job for everybody to see? Yeah. Um, the last thing that I did lessons in love, um, or on love. And that was about the biracial couple, but I also posted something on my Instagram. Um, I did this video and I didn't think that I was like going to do it. 
it was something that again was kind of intuitive, but I felt like I needed to do it. Um, and it was kind of for, I had been asked to do like something for this Juneteenth celebration that was coming up. And I didn't, I had no idea what I was going to do. And like a few days before I essentially had like this breakdown, it wasn't like a full blown mental breakdown, but it was like one of those times where you just feel like super overwhelmed with everything. It was like 2020. This was a few weeks after Ahmaud Arbery and like 20 different things at once. And I went to go ride my bike in my neighborhood and I like my, um, seat broke and it's a fairly new bike. So I was just like, uh, I was just frustrated and basically like just broke down in the middle of the street. And when I got back, I wrote out these thoughts of like, okay, I just had this moment of breaking down the middle of the street and here's why. And I put it on Facebook. Like I said, dear black family, like, I know you feel overwhelmed because I was feeling that way too. And then I took that moment a few days later and made it for this Juneteenth video. And um, I would say that would be a good example of something that I did. It's like three minutes long um, where I felt like it was, it was powerful and intuitive. But as far as storytelling, um, I think the last, the last project that I did uh, talking to a biracial couple about just, you know, how they learn to love each other and their perspective was probably one of the most impactful things that I've done um, because it also tied in white privilege and it came from a very um, educational perspective. And I think it was just, I think we did well tying it around a love story and just kind of articulating, you know, the social, um, equity and perspectives and justice that needs to happen. That's awesome. So I know you had mentioned that it feels really good to have the trust of the individuals that you work with, but I'm wondering, have you had some bumps and bruises along the way? Has there been a lot of challenges that you faced? Would you mind sharing any of the challenges that you faced along the way? Okay. Yeah. Um, bumps and bruises. We're going, if we go all the way back, uh, well, Georgia, I was in a small, I was in a small town in Georgia and anything outside of Atlanta is just like real regressive. Um, so that was one hell of an experience. It was very, my boss was prejudiced. Um, and it was just very overwhelming. Um, she set a lot of people up to fail, um, including myself. And it was just very, it was an, I grew a lot from that. I grew a lot from that. Um, and the same kind of came at the next station was a lot better. Uh, but I think that it's, I can sit here and pinpoint all the times where I felt like, you know, I was disrespected and et cetera. But I just feel like overall, there is this conversation that needs to happen in the newsroom that is currently now happening in the newsroom about word choice and tone and how we say different things and how we convey different things and how we perpetuate things by how we say them. 
and so um, perpetuate stereotypes by how we say them. And um, I think that mindset has evolved for me as well throughout, you know, each station of like speaking up just a little bit louder. And now I'm just yelling like it doesn't not literally, but I'm just at the point where if there is something that I feel like is not okay, or we need to change it, or we need to put something into the newscast because that is part of the black narrative and it should be said, then I will say it. Um, Bumps and bruises are just, I think as a black woman, I have been dismissed a lot. Um, And especially in how I'm thinking and what I'm saying, or, and especially in regressive cities where you go outside and, oh, you're pretty for a black girl, that happens. You know what I mean? So, I mean, bumps and bruises are being dismissed, people talking about people criticizing you, overly criticizing you because you are of color. Like I've seen it directly with me versus my coworkers. I cannot mess up, not even a little bit. Like I have to be on my shit. There is no slip ups at all. Um, versus, you know, my coworkers who some might be blonde with blue eyes. And if they do the exact same thing I do, it's no big deal. And I'm not speaking necessarily internally where, you know, I can't mess up, but on the outside you have viewers, um, as well who will overly uh, criticize. So I think those are the main bumps and bruises throughout, but I think ultimately they've made me stronger and, uh, yeah, <laughs> brought me here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a common feeling I think amongst black people in corporate America or any situation like that. It's just a challenge. Um, and every day you got to come with your ready to play. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100% across the board. I'm glad you mentioned the the word choice factor and how important that is with the messaging, you know, in the news and media. Mm-hmm. I mean, I noticed earlier that you mentioned black voices matter instead of black lives matter. Is there a reason behind that or <laughs> you want to get into that a little bit? No, uh, no, I will get into it. Okay. But like the... <laughs> the program was called Black Voices Matter because at the time, and I fought for this, because at the time, Black Lives Matter was like erupting as this thing and they didn't want to, as this thing, and they didn't want to um, associate and say that we were like part of that organization. And so they were like, let's call it Black Voices Matter. And I was like, I'm going to say Black Lives Matter in this program. We can call it this, but I'm going to say it. And they're like, that's fine. And I was like, okay. So it was called Black Voices Matter. Um, Okay. So I didn't mean to say that. It was just the name of the program. Isn't Black Lives Matter up for the Nobel Peace Prize? It should be. I, I believe it was just, <laughs> it was either announced or there was a rumor about it. Um, I, We'll have our fact checkers to, uh, figure that out. But uh, so- I was just curious. So when you, when you talk about the bumps and the bruises, so it's, it's, you know, we're here to 2021. Does it feel different? Does it feel the same, but people are communicating? Is it, is it fake? Is it genuine? Like what, what's going on from your perspective when you're looking out per se into the world? I think it feels a little more hopeful. Um, I think that we had, I think leadership influences a lot regardless of, you know what I mean? 
how you vote, whatever. Leadership influences a lot. And I think that um, our past leadership has cultivated this space where it was okay to say racist, extremist um, things. And I think, and it, and it also cultivated a polarization where we can't even say or articulate what the other side is feeling um, without listening or being so one-sided. So I think there has been a shift because there's been a shift in leadership. Um, And so I'm just hoping that it'll be more better, more better, better. (laughs) I'm hoping that there will be maybe people will feel like that they can have a conversation. I'm just hopeful. That's all I can be. I I, I don't really know what 2020 (laughs) will bring, but I just, I'm hoping for the best. So speaking of the changing of leadership, I know we now have our first uh, female black vice president. So you being a black woman, Tell me a little bit, how did that make you feel seeing that, seeing that she won, being on that ticket, you know, um, what were your thoughts, emotions? Give me, give me some insight there. Um, proud. I mean, proud. I have on her. This is from her. I'm speaking. Yeah. So um, for those listening, she's got on an <laughs> I'm speaking shirt. Um, and I hope that it's not. I feel like you, you, people are so weird, especially about, um, the news of like affiliating your side of like, Oh, are you democratic or Republican? And first of all, 91% of black women vote Democrat or voted democratically. So I'm not an outlier, but also I think that I just want the disclaimer of, I think you can and are able to vote for one party or another and still be able to articulate and try to understand both sides. But um, for Kamala, for me, she is just everything. Like to see her in this position, I feel like is just so empowering. I saw there was this video of um she sent a she sent a video to this girl and i don't remember like how she knew this girl it was like somebody who had worked for her and she she, this little girl loved kamala and so she sent her this video and the girl is watching it and then she just like passes out to the floor and like playfully and i just think like as i'm watching this video i'm thinking like wow this can be the only thing that this little girl knows, you know what I mean? Like this can be it. Like this is her viewpoint is like not everything else, not the, you know, the bumps and the bruises, not systemic racism, not just that I see someone who looks like me, who is the vice president. And I now can be, I can be that. And there's no other obstacle. And for me, like that was the moment for me where everything clicked in is when I saw that little girl's video. Um, yeah. So it means a lot. Yeah. I think, uh, I saw that video. I think the, uh, it was one of the secret service agents or one of the yeah, police officers like daughters or something like that. Yeah. 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 And yeah, that was a powerful, 
that was that was it for me. Absolutely. I think, too, especially what you know, you mentioned mental health. And I think um, when we get beyond covid, that's going to need to be a key for a lot of people, in particular children, um, children not being in school. You know, back in the day, we used to have to worry about I always say being kidnapped was like the number one thing. Be careful when you're playing outside. You could get kidnapped. Now you have school shootings, covid. I mean, it, that, it's like farther down the list. Yeah. And so when you when you take children and then you can give them something to look because kids at a very young age, I have two daughters when they figure something out, it's over. And and especially in those moments when little girls can see that and that, that could be little white girls that see the vice president is a woman. And then you tell them this has never happened. That's something they're never going to forget. That's something that helps them strive. And then when the bumps and bruises come, they know what they can shoot for because it's attainable. So that's what I think was, was just so awesome. I agree. 100%. 100% agree with that. Rhea, I, I had a question. I know we, we don't want to take too much of your time tonight, but I had a question about, you know, looking things at like the broader scale. Like there's a lot of misinformation, disinformation out there. You're a professional that, you know, you pride yourself on accuracy and news reporting. What does that mean to you? How do you combat that? What do you tell people that are novices in terms of being able to, like, look at things and tell if they're realistic or, you know, accurate or, you know, what can they do to try to improve their ability to get real information in their lives? Um, <laughs> know where you're getting your resources, like... I don't even know how to start with this because I feel like there are so many facets that have now been collected as like the media. And it's like news is news. It's always been news. It's accountable. It's credible. Um, And a blog post or whatever else is not or Facebook news or whatever. And I just feel like you read, uh, you know what I mean? Look at all the different sources um, as far as, you know, CBS, MSNBC, Fox News, like look at everybody um, and don't <laughs> don't believe like a post or like something that you saw on social media. Like just fact check yourself. You know what I mean? Read. It's not it's not that. We're not in the news to give you false information. Um, I think we're here to try to either be helpful or give you a perspective to think about. So I think that, you know, if you just take that with stride and um, read more instead of looking to Twitter or, or, or Facebook to get your news, then you'll be all right. So what <laughs> I'm hearing is, is you are not fake news. I am not. <laughs> you are not a representative. I am not. Newly <laughs> <Really> noted. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. And and I think the fake news narrative, I, I think for me, to your point, the, the problem is the society we live in. We, we live in a very stubborn society. And if I think something, I want to think it. So give me anything that tells me I'm right and I, I feel like I'm right. And then mm-hmm. unfortunately with our last administration, you know, dictators try to control the media. If you go back and look at all of the, the dictators in all the other countries, um, they controlled the media. They created the narrative. And the last guy really wanted to be a dictator and he really wanted to control that. And of course it backfired, but it created this, which side are you on? If you don't believe me, you're fake news. 
Yeah. So I think to your point, you know, AP routers, I mean, you can look that stuff up, but that extra step, I think social media will clean up a lot of that. And people are going to call it censorship when really it's just, unfortunately, it's, it's the way of the world we live in. And if you're putting false things out there, it, they'll just delete it, hopefully before it makes its way. But yeah, hopefully, yeah. But um, yeah, to your point, people are very into their own bubble and very individualistic and um, some intersectionality and collaboration needs to happen. I mean, even with, um, I will say a prime example is women supporting women. Love the idea, the idea of women supporting women. But at some point, um, I think what's missing in that element is that there needs to be some intersectionality of like, Black women and all women, because we get into this idea of women supporting women and we're cultivating um, or or deriving it from this idea of women's rights and women's rights groups. And then we talk about women started voting in the 1920s. White women started voting in the 1920s. Black people didn't have the ability to vote in 1965. Latinos didn't really have their extensive voting until like the 1970s. So let, let's you know what I mean? Intersectionality. Let's collaborate on these ideas and let's talk about social equity. And then, you know, let's build together instead of being so individualistic. That was a rant, but I had a point. Don't we love it. Individualistic. We love it. <laughs> it's either you ranting on or it's me. So I think they would prefer that you do it. So if that makes you feel better, that's fine. Yeah. That's the wild card part. That's more along the wild card lines, the the rant. So yeah, Rhea, that we definitely appreciate you, you know, give me your perspective there. And especially when we're talking about the intersectionality, what, you know, you could, because you want to have that collaboration, but at the same time, you want the collaboration to be real and inclusive of everybody. What can you, you know, in your opinion, what can you do to, to kind of bridge that gap to make sure the collaboration is actually collaboration for everyone? Um, listening and asking questions. I feel like, um, I know not every black person wants to be the educator, right? Not every black person wants to say it and go, I don't feel like explaining this to you or whatever, but I think that there has to be some type of middle ground where you are okay or feel open with at some point having a conversation with somebody who is genuinely trying to understand you and your perspective. And I think the more that we do that, the more that we can stop cutting like these barriers and having these two different worlds. Cause it, it really is. I mean, Cicely Tyson died. Okay. So Lord, perfect example, Loris Leachman, Cloris Leachman, sorry, dies um, a few days ago. I kind of know who she is, but not really. Um, it was a big deal where I am. And the whole newsroom, Cloris Leachman is gone. This is terrible. <laughs> da, 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 da. I'm like, okay. Where's Leachman? A couple days later, Cicely Tyson dies. And I'm like, oh my God, Cicely Tyson died. Like this needs to be in block A. What are we doing? Put it in there. And there's like, Cicely Tyson? Cicely Tyson died. And it's like, not that... That was just like one example of like the two different, like Cicely Tyson is such a huge icon deal to me, you know what I mean? To my family. 
But it's like, it just showed again that parallel of like how long we've been living in these two different worlds. So they need to start colliding. And I hope that that's how is through dialogue and conversations in spaces like this. And do you think with that, and I, I can take a guess with that conversation between the two actresses, I bet if I looked up the demographics for, for your show, I could take a guess which way it swayed. Is that fair or not fair? What do you mean? Like, what do you mean by which way it's swayed? For which actress got, uh, everybody was freaking. So you were saying it was broadcasted to everybody, right? The Cloris Leachman passed away. Or were you just talking about in the newsroom? This was just in the newsroom. I mean, okay, we, okay. We, put, we put both of them in there, you know what I'm saying? But this yep. was just like, okay, okay. It was in the newsroom where, you know, it was just like this outcry of like, oh my gosh. And I was like, okay. And then it was reversed for me because it's Lee Tyson. So but I'm the only one in there. So there was no outcry. It was just me. <laughs> it was just me. <laughs> so do you feel like getting a little deeper? I know, uh, there's been a lot of like back and forth. You mentioned having like an accepting perspective and being able to acknowledge people, people's like blind spots, essentially. Do you think there's a responsibility for black people, minorities to educate and, and teach? Mm, okay. So <laughs> I've had this conversation with my black coworkers and a lot of them are just tired like I was saying, like exhausted and don't feel the need to do that. They don't have, it's not in them. They don't want to do it. Um, me personally, I feel like it is part of my purpose to educate in the way that I do it. And so I'm fine with it, but I'm going to say not necessarily. It's not, it's not your, um, job, but if you, that's why I was saying, if you feel like you are in a moment where someone is genuinely trying to understand something, then maybe be open to that moment. But as far as taking the time to consistently educate, uh, no, that is not their job. I think that it is now everyone's job to educate themselves for sure. Like you've heard a lot, you've seen a lot, start to educate yourself. What is redlining? What is systemic racism? What are these things? Educate yourself, figure it out. Because there are things that we haven't talked about in um, history class in high school, maybe. Uh, so I get that there is there's something missing there that you didn't grow up with this idea or wasn't acknowledged or you didn't grow up around it so you can't fully understand, but like now you can. So just education and i'm glad you mentioned that educating yourself because um and also that you said that you're an educator because not all black people are quality educators right some people come off as aggressive um uh, uh, you know and there's a fine line between passionate and aggressive you know and if you're let's a person that. that is let's say that again that. i said let's get into that yeah, because there's a fine line between passionate and aggressive. That's the thing for me is that I feel like some people are just tired and don't want to have to explain something. So maybe it doesn't come out the the exactly the way that it should be facilitated or wanted to be received. But I 
don't like that word aggressive because I feel like it's steam. It's, it's down another path of, um, how we have been looked at and articulated for so long, for decades, we have been aggressive and, um, in, or seen as aggressive, stereotyped as aggressive, because, uh, we are these, you know, unruly, uncivilized people. And so I just, I don't like that word. Um, I get what you're saying, but I don't like that word. And, uh, it's a word that's been used a lot, especially as a, for me, as a black woman who is just trying to articulate herself, especially in a professional setting. Oh, that was aggressive. It wasn't, it was me articulating my voice and having a voice. And, um, just because I am now infiltrating your space by articulating what I wanted and needed in a space does not make me aggressive. It just makes me confident to convey that in that space as you are to convey in this space. You know what I'm saying? I do. So I get what you're, I get what you're saying about, you know, sometimes it's not always articulated the best you, you, there are some people who, um, don't got no time for that. They don't have time for it. And so it might come out the wrong way, but I think we should use a different word. (laughs) No, I completely understand. Um, But I guess my point in stating that is that, you know, it's good that people are now seeking to educate themselves. Right. Like I can't tell you um, since the death of George Floyd, I cannot tell you how many different white people that I've seen posting things to educate others, like their peers. And I never saw that once before Mm -hmm. the same situation was happening before weeks before days before years before you know it's not like oh george floyd this is the first time this happened it's been happening in america since black people got here say that but the difference is this time it's in your face you know what i mean this time you can't ignore it this time there is video proof that this man placed his knee on this man and then killed him there is no you can't justify it you can't make up an excuse, although there was a lot of conspiracy theories around it, which was only making me so mad. Always I, conspiracy theories. So that was so ridiculous. But I just, there was no turning away from it. And then it was like Ahmaud Arbery, no turning away from that either. And then the chicken Central Park, can't remember her name. Um, ooh, ooh, can't think of it. But when she told this man that she was going to call police because he told her to put a leash on her dog, like all these video evident things, like you can't ignore that. And so then I think that's when it started to shift as well. Everybody's at home. Everybody's on social media because you're stuck. It's COVID. And you're now seeing what's really happening. There's no ignoring it. 2020 vision, they didn't lie. Whoever said it, somebody said that at the beginning of 2020. Oh, I never even put that together. <laughs> I I think the exposure to your point, because in the same thing, there was the uh, I think it was actually in Minneapolis was the 
um, I think he was an attorney in a building and there was the four kids working out in the gym and he wanted to see their badges and didn't think they deserved to be there. And they put him on blast and he ended up getting fired. And and that's why I asked, do you think it's different? Because like Byron said, there's a lot of people posting. There's a lot of people going out, educating your uh telling people to educate that I'd never seen before in different things. And see, I think the conspiracy theories, like as much as it frustrates you, it, it, it comes to show that some people will go any lengths to say that that wasn't really what happened. So you should take a look at every other instance where maybe you didn't empathize with it, whether that was, remember George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin with Trayvon, it was uh, he had the iced tea and the Skittles and he was going to create drugs or whatever it was that they, I mean, just the most wild conspiracy theories that were out there that you could take a look at all of them and that should get wheels spinning for anybody. The Central Park situation, the, the man's name was Christian Cooper. Cooper and the woman's name was Cooper too, because I remember Amy. saying no relation. Amy Cooper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amy Cooper. Like how ridiculous. Uh that made me so that made me yeah. so mad. That was a crazy story. I'm glad somebody caught that on tape. Yes, like the way that you just weaponized your whiteness like that. Like that was insane to me to watch that. I was like, okay, you can't say anything now. Like there's there's nothing that you can say now. This is video proof of this happening. So what's your, what's your thoughts on kind of going down right now? We're getting into the, the cancel culture era as well. Right. So it's my thought. I mean, you're seeing Amy Cooper do all these different things. Is there a point where, what if somebody did something in the nineties, they apologize. Now they move on. Are they held in a different light than somebody that did that? Or a lot of times when you, well, I know what the answer is, but I guess what I guess what I'm trying to say is like a lot of times it's, it's when they got caught or even Kevin Hart, for example, that was supposed to host the Oscars. But it turns out he was using homophobic slurs in 2010. Is that fair? Not fair? Oh, OK. Um, is that fair or not fair? I think that you should be held accountable for the things that you do and say. Um, Did he think that that was going to bite him in the butt years later? Probably not. Uh, But it came up. You said it. So deal with it. Um, Do I fully believe that someone should be like canceled out? I don't know. To the degree of whatever you did, I think that that's That's fine. It's a gray area, right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's by circumstance. So I hope that answered that. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. It, in terms of improving, you know, you mentioned a few things uh, during our conversation in terms of improving the narrative, addressing the narrative, changing the narrative. With your stories, who are you targeting? Like what? Like what type of? You mentioned having the right voice and the right approach, like. When you're bringing up these stories about uh, equality, or more importantly, you know, highlighting inequality in the system, whether it's in healthcare or education or law enforcement, wherever it may be, how are you phrasing that voice to make sure that it's it's going to impact your audience? And and are you targeting you know black people so they can educate other minorities and white people? Are you targeting the white people in the audience? Like, what are you doing when you? I'm coming for everybody. I'm just playing. Um, I am targeting both. I'm targeting 
black and brown people um, so they could see like this is their story. And if there's something that is in there that they didn't think about or whatever, like think about it now. But I'm also targeting people who may have never, people who are not brown, white people who may have never thought about this narrative in the first place, thought about this perspective in the first place, truly understand their influence on what's happening in society or how they're moving subconsciously. Those are the people that I'm targeting too, because I think those are the ones that get impacted the most. Like, yes, I get messages that say like, Oh my God, thank you for saying something and doing this and da, 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 da. But I also, like I said, get those other messages that are like, I have never thought about that in my life until this. And that's critical for me for sure. What was your other, did that answer or did you have another part to the question? <laughs> no, I mean, I answered it. I, I was really trying to gauge like what, I, I mean, in terms of what's more impactful do you, you know, you think in terms, it sounds like having that initial contact with somebody instead of giving somebody some affirmation of, okay, somebody else is hearing me here in this situation. Yeah. Yep. Like just having that moment where you're opening somebody's eyes for the first time and, and giving them a, a whole new perspective that they never really thought about before. You know, it sounds like that's your goal with your stories. Yeah. I mean, that's why I got into news in the first place um, was to convey perspectives, to tell different stories, to have to create an experience where you're thinking outside of yourself. Um. So, yeah. This has been a great discussion. You know, we really appreciate you being on the show and, and providing your perspective yeah, and, you know, just how much you're doing in the community that you're working in. So thank you for being on the show. And as always, we have our action items, our final thoughts for the week. And we definitely want to start with you and and hear what your final thoughts and action items. are. Final thoughts and action items. Um, read, be a better human. I think that um, right now I'm in um, school. I'm getting my master's in legal studies and I want to, I got that so that I can go back out in the community and like create, uh, workshops so that I can, we could talk about civil rights. We could talk about, you know, what goes on in the workplace, et cetera. Um, so I think this week I want to like finesse and figure out exactly what maybe like one of my workshops would be, you know, like title, um, start figuring that out and, uh, figure out a couple other things I can do in the community this week. Um, just like drop off food to the community fridge or like whatever, or if a nonprofit needs help with something. So those are my action items this week. What about y'all? That's great, Steve. Yeah, I think mine is, um, so we have this forum, it's called the committed collective forum on Facebook and it is starting to, to get the traction that I've been looking for. And we take topics and different discussions and put them up. And there has been just some amazing dialogue, but I want to continue to grow it. I want more. We have, um, what I think over 200 members now, Adam, hopefully Raya will, uh, do us the honor and, and join. Um, but I just encourage people to come. I know there's a lot of people watching, feel free to put your opinions out there. They're always, out there. I'm not holding my opinion back or else I would be doing a disservice to the group. So I will be there as well. So I, I just challenge everybody. And, and my other thing is just remember that 
you know, Adam is fortunate enough to live in San Diego where it's 77 degrees every single day for the, for some of us in the Midwest, it's cold, it's snowing. People are, are miserable. Take care of your neighbors, smile at people. If you don't have a mask on, go shovel your neighbor's sidewalk or driveway just for, to do it. Take care of ourselves, take care of our neighbors. Mental health is important. Welcome back to the winter blues, Steve. <laughs> 10 inches of snow. Byron, 10 inches of snow fell overnight. I wasn't ready for this. Well, somebody go help shovel Steve's driveway. Byron, what are your final thoughts and action items? Yeah, thanks, Adam. Uh, So as always, I'm going to continue down the path that I have been this year, um, continuing to ask people to spread love, um, try to be kind to those that you interact with you know don't you don't have to engage every single person that comes to you with something crazy you know you know you can just walk away and it will make your life that much better i promise you um you don't i mean not going to 10 having to go to 10 and come back down is not a good place to live at I tell you what, those are people that die of heart attacks. So with that said, again, just continue to spread love. uh, Try to work collaboratively with others. Speak to someone new. And uh, yeah. Byron, I'm honestly taking your stuff to heart. I swear I'm I'm less... I'm, I'm less uh, interactive than I used to be. So keep, keep getting in my head. I appreciate it. Uh, I think mine, Ray, I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of people or a lot of great uh, humanitarians that passed away recently. Cecily Tyson, John Chaney, and uh, Hank Aaron, the home run king, the real home run king. Sorry, Barry Bonds. But, you know, there's a lot of people over, you know, Black History Month, Women's History Month over the next couple months that you can read up on and really recognize how great some of their accomplishments were and where they, you know, they left it and where we can pick it up from there. So I just would say go out and read up about some of those that have recently passed away and others that have had a huge impact and figure out where we can pick up their uh, their pace and just keep it going. So again, thank you for being on the show, Ms. Reyes Spigner, for Byron Hazley, Steve Kerwins, Adam Stone. See you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you would like to learn more about the Committed Collective or any of the initiatives that we're supporting currently, please connect with us at the underscore Committed Collective on Instagram or on Facebook. If you'd like to ask any follow-up questions of today's host or guest about our conversation, feel free to email us at info at thecommittedcollective.org. Be sure to also subscribe to the podcast so you can stay up to date on our topics information and other events if you'd like to join the collective you can follow us on instagram and join us on our slack community remember you can take an active role in your sphere of influence and champion change now 